Lord. Uh, it's not often that I ever really speak in front of the congregation, so I'm not going to lie, I'm a little nervous, but I've been praying and trusting the Lord that he would have his way. Um, the scripture says that his word will not return void, so I might read quite a bit of scripture here and just trust it to do what the Lord said it will do. And um, We often hear the term of living in fear of the Lord, and I think we all know that doesn't mean to be scared of God, and um, but it means to you know reverence him, to acknowledge what he can do and his power. And so I have a scripture here in Ezekiel chapter twenty. Um, we're going to start at verse number six, and this is the Lord um, telling Ezekiel what he needs to tell the people of Israel. And it's Ezekiel twenty six says that. In the day that I lifted up mine hand unto them to bring them forth of the land of Egypt into a land that I had espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. This is you know, when he brought them out of um, Egypt, promising them the promised land. And says, Then said I unto them, Cast ye away every man the abominations of his eyes, and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. That seems like a pretty easy task for us to do, you know, the abominations of our eyes and idols of Egypt. You know, that's nothing that I don't think any of us want in our lives. Um, and so he was just asking them for that simple thing, just to cast those away. And verse 8 says, But they rebelled against me and would not hearken unto me. They did not every man cast away the abominations of their eyes, neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said... I will pour out my fury upon them to accomplish my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. Uh, fury, I, we all know fury is such a strong word. It's anger, it's wrath, it's the angriest of angries, if you will. It's, and when I think of the power of God, when he says fury, that's not something to take lightly. That is something, again, in the fear of God, I feel like that is a word that just describes that so well. But then if we keep going... Um, it says, but I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen among whom they were, in whose sight I made myself known unto them, and bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt. Wherefore, I caused them to go out, into the la go out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. So he's given them a second chance here. He didn't, he didn't unleash his fury like he had said he wanted to, and so he, he was like, you know what, we'll get them out of here into the wilderness, and I'll give them this other chance, this other opportunity. It says, but the house of Israel, um, or it says, moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. So even in this second chance in the wilderness, again, they rebelled him. And it says, they walked not in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. And my Sabbaths they greatly polluted. Then I said, I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. Again, he wants to do it again. He gives them a second chance, and yet they turn away from him back to their idols and um, their, the abominations in their eyes. And again, the Lord says, But I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen in whose sight I brought them out. And verse 15 is a scripture that just really spoke to me because it says, Yet also I lifted up my hand unto them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. The promise that God had given them, he, had, he took away right here in this verse. 
Um, we know that none of the people that left the land of Egypt made it to the promised land. And that's because this verse right here where even in their second chance and they turned away and he took that promise from them just because of the simple things he asked them not to do. Um, and because they despised his judgments and walked not in my statutes but polluted my Sabbaths for their heart went after their idols. But yet again, even in this time, even though he took away their promise, again it says, Nevertheless, mine eyes spared them from destroying them, neither did I make an end of them in the wilderness. And so he moves on from them at this point, and it says, But I said unto their children. So not only did he take their promise, but he just moved on. He was like, You know what? They aren't listening to me. I'm going to go to their children. And he said unto them in the wilderness, Walk ye not in the statutes of your fathers, neither observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God, walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that ye may know that I am the Lord your God. Again, this is such a great promise. Like he's giving, us, he's giving them this opportunity here. But then it says, notwithstanding, the children rebelled against me. They walked not in my statutes, neither kept my judgments to do them, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. They polluted my Sabbaths, then I said, I would pour out my fury upon them to accomplish my anger against them in the wilderness. Nevertheless, I withdrew my hand and wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted in the sight of the heathen, in those sight, in whose sight I brought them forth. So here we see three different chances to turn away from their own idols to um, the abomination of their eyes, to cast that out, and twice with the parents and then to the children. And all three times, the Lord says he was going to release his fury upon them. And yet, again, they turned away. They just ignored it. And a promise was taken away from the parents and the children. He gave them the opportunity. And again, they turned away from it. And I have looked at this in my own life. And I've seen so many opportunities and services where God has ministered to me. And he's wanted to reach out to us and give us a promise. And he just asked us for simple things to let go, to turn away from, to just get out of our lives, nothing difficult, but just something that is stopping us from going to where God wants us to be, and yet we just ignore it, and it makes me wonder, you know, is God angry at me? If he wanted to release his fury on his children, I can imagine how much it hurts him every time I turn away from the word that he's spoken to me, and so my prayer lately has been that God, all these things that you say, all these opportunities you give me, I don't just want to be here in the altar and just cry and, you know, say, I'm going to turn around and then ignore your fury that you have and just ignore the power that you have. I want to live in fear of God, knowing that he has promised me something and he still is going to give it to us. But as we continue to turn away from him, if we continue to turn away from him, he'll take the promise from us and just let us do our own thing. That's God. He has a will, but we have our own will as well. And he is not going to force anything upon us. So we have to make sure that we are taking the word that he gives us. When he gives us those opportunities, he's not just going to keep doing it on and on. We have to truly want it. We have to truly give up ourselves, give up our idols, the abominations of our eyes. We have to cast them down and just let the Lord do what he wants to do and receive the gift and the promise that he has for us. Because again, he, eventually he will just move on if we truly don't want it. So if we could just just pray right now. In Jesus' mighty name, God, I pray that your word would speak into my heart right now, Lord, with your promises that you have for me. Lord, that I not turn my back on your word, Jesus, on the things that you have prepared for me, oh God. 
but I take it to heart, Lord, that I lay it at my life down on the altar, Jesus, that you would have your way in it through me, O oh God. Lord, I pray not pass over me, Jesus, but I pray use me for your kingdom and for your glory, O oh God. In Jesus' mighty name, not my will, but yours be done. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ethan. Praise God. Every once in a while, I guess I've, I've considered the thought. Wondering, you know, what are those things that are held at bay? Uh, like the scripture was saying, because they did not pursue. What are the things, you know, if if in the end God would overlay his plan for our life and the actual life that we lived and how closely that might match or not match, I just wonder if, you know, are there, <laughs> is there something or or, you know, what would I see? What would an individual see? Um, in the last chapter, the fourth chapter, I think, of Malachi, the Lord is the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, through the prophet Malachi, God was dealing with the people concerning their, their lifestyle. And in particular, it was about their finances. And he was trying to provoke them. By using terms like, you're stealing from me. And while trying to get their attention, also ready to give them a promise. You know, he's coming with a corrective voice. Yet to get our attention so that we'll hear the promise he's wanting to fulfill. He said, prove me now herewith that I would not open the windows of heaven and pour out to you a blessing that no room could contain it. So that tells me that in that particular circumstance, somewhere in the natural or the spiritual or all together, there's something held back. There's something held at bay. That they would never see. He could only tell them about it. And this is what happened with these generations. He tried to, in, to reassure them. I have, I have promises of blessing for you. And it's almost like, look, let me tell you what your life would look like. If, you'd, if you would adhere here. If you'd respond to me here. If you would walk with me the way I'm asking you to walk with me, here's what your life would look like. Roll the camera, boy. I think it's probably a nightmare that somewhere in the end, the cameras would begin to roll, the video screens would begin to play and show 
Here's what it all would have been like. Had you walked with me the way that I appealed to you to walk with me. That my plan would become your plan. Amen. Thank you. I begin to muse over the scriptures this morning really early. And uh, in particular, uh, the, the subject of the sound mind. You know, if I were writing a will, I would start it by saying, I, Larry Schoonover, being of sound mind and body, do declare. Sound mind being prerequisite. Um, is your thinking okay tonight? Is it operating properly? As far as you can tell? Okay, that's good. You're thinking operating all right tonight? If I ask you questions, can you answer me rationally? And you know how easy it is to take for granted the sound mind is? I'd like to read to you out of the, the book of uh, Second Timothy. Chapter 1. You know, for whatever reason, over the last several months, I've found myself in conversations with individuals who would make a statement similar to this. I feel like I'm going crazy. Was that you? Oh, no. Has that ever come out of your mouth? You ever had the feelings? My thoughts, I just, I, I don't know what's going on, but I kind of, I've had people say it to me uh, several times, several different individuals um, talk to me about their struggle to maintain rational thoughts to the place that they begin to question, am I okay? And am I going crazy? And then, you know, after a length of conversation, which really helps, especially in the brotherhood, they begin to realize that their thought begins to clear up. There is a spirit of anointing between the interaction of brethren that brings... A clarity that blows out the fogginess. I have a friend. Uh, you, some of you have met him, Brother Bruce Bartell. And uh, every, from time to time, he would get, uh, I don't know, I guess he'd be going through something, but he would call. And he would usually ask a question, and it would start an interaction, not one that I had planned, uh, so now I'm thinking thoughts I would not have thought. I'm making statements I would not have made had he not called and opened up this dialogue. 
But inevitably, God would become involved in the situation and in the communication that the Spirit of God would be present. That there would be an unction and an anointing that would bring clarity of the mind. Now, whether it would have been me in the fog to begin with or him in the fog, I marvel that over a short amount of time in the interaction, the clarity that comes in thought. I believe because there is spiritual presence. You see, I don't, I'm not very articulate with the English language. Now, you might think I'm doing okay right now. But this isn't my idea. Shared with somebody the other day. I failed third year English, whatever that was. And I was living in the state of New Jersey where they require four years of English. I was in trouble. I was not going to graduate from high school because I was failing English. And I was, I mean, I'd failed the third year, and now I'm in the fourth year, and I don't have a chance. I don't know what a participle, I couldn't tell you the difference between a noun and I think I knew what verbs were. You know, the action, run, that's a verb, right? I couldn't tell you any other of those, whatever those other things were, it didn't. It never, it never mattered to me. And so there, therefore I'm failing. Well, I, did, I learned that in the state of Washington, you only needed three years of English. or t- Maybe it was two. I don't remember. But I'd already passed them. You bet. I moved from New Jersey to Washington just so I could graduate from high school. West Valley High School, 1976. Made her through. Got the diploma in the mail. Okay. So. Back to my conversations with Brother Bartell. It's not because I'm articulate. Obviously. And I have no command of the English language. I am envious of Brother Mark Kendrick. I see blank stares. I'm sorry, many of you probably don't know him. He attends in the Puyallup congregation, but he's from the Yakima Valley. And I met him when he was five, and he's about, he's got to be close to, what is he? 37 or 38. He's been around a little while. But I love to listen to him teach. He's a great teacher. Just because he commands the English language so well, and I think, Now, I'm not threatened by Mark, but I am envious of his ability. Now, I'll, I'll share something with you. There was a time when Mark leaned on his ability to speak the English language. And when he came to Puyallup, he had been a teacher for some time. But I could tell Mark was leaning on his ability. And what I wanted him to lean on was his inspiration. 
and the flow of the Holy Ghost that would lead him. Now, you, you can choose either follow God's leading or you can step back and lean on what you feel like is your strength, your talent, your whatever, or your will and your way. And so, Mark, just sit there for a while. And he did. I've never had this experience with anybody else in the congregation. He sat for two years. Then we called on him. Now he has become an effectual player on the ministry team of Life Church because of how he allows God to lead him by his inspiration and not just his ability to mentally process thought. Are you still with me? But it's easy to take for granted our ability to think. And to think clearly, we think. You know, every person is right in their own eyes. So whether my thinking is clear or not, my, my thinking can be wrong. My thinking can be right. But the only true measuring stick is the word of God. The, the spirit of truth Prevailing upon my communication. Me in communion with the Spirit of God. That His Spirit would dominate my life. Okay? If the Spirit of God is dominating my life. Then also I would have the practice of. Reading the Word of God. Because the Word of God brings a, not only clarity. But a filter. To that which is right, that which is wrong, that's, that which is true, that which is an error. You ever, now you're not this way, but you, maybe you've been around somebody that when they just would open their mouth and start. And any thought that would pass through their mind, they're speaking it out. And they've got opinions and they've got ideas and it sounds so good to them when it's coming out of their mouth. They're pretty sure it's true. The Bible speaks of those that are tossed about with every wind of doctrine, which is teaching. Okay? So, with every wind of thought, they're just passed around because there's no baseline. There's no real foundation. Of the word of God in their life. My pastor, Brother Leslie. Uh, years ago, he worked at Frank's Tires in Union Gap. Anybody know where that's at? You know, you got Les Schwab. You got this. Now we got discount tire. Check them out. And we got Frank's Tire in Union Gap. And Brother Leslie was working at Frank's Tire. And there was a, a car that came in. It was probably an LTD. Had a strange license, had a governmental license plate, said United States Treasury. And he had a flat tire, and so he's fixing the tire, and he's looking at that license plate, and he said, so you were at the Treasury Department? Yeah. Well, what's brought you to Yakima? He says, well, apparently you've got a lot of counterfeit money being passed around. We do? Well, apparently. And I've been sent here to find it. 
He says, well, what does it look like? He said, I don't know. You know, are you setting me up here? What do you mean you don't know? If you're sent here to find it, how are you going to know that you found it if you don't know what it looks like? He says, well, I have a photographic uh, memory. And he said, I have spent years studying the original. And so because I've studied the original so much, anytime I, some pound, uh, counterfeit money is passed in front of my eyes, I immediately see it. He says, I don't see the wrong. I see what's not right. So the word of God has got to be the filter to truth coupled with the spirit of truth dominating in our lives that will have uh, great bearing on our minds, on our thought processes. So what is it that would disturb the thought processes of our minds? You know, before you came to God, there wasn't, there wasn't even a Bible in your house. If there was, they had dust on the shelf. It was hidden behind the Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, you know. And so, what were you reading? Well, some read comic books. Some read Reader's Digest. My youngest sister, she used to read Glamour magazine. And 16. Oh, 17. There's not a 16. Well, she was reading it too young, probably. (laughs) Now, I'll tell you why I bring that up. She was never pleased with herself. She was never happy with herself. You know, she had red hair, wrong color hair. She thought she was overweight. She thought her teeth were, uh, you know, there was something wrong with her teeth. There was always something that she was picking about herself. And I, I used to think, where in the world does she get this? Until I visited her house and saw the magazines on the coffee table. And realize she spends all her time pouring over this stuff that tries to tell her what perfection is. And so she's discounted her own life. That wasn't the only reason. There were a lot of other circumstances in her life, but she turned to alcohol. And she never stopped. And at 32 years old, she passed away. Now, I've never forgot these things. I've never forgot, as others that I've observed, and others in my family, the things, the, the, the paths that they went down, and the, the intake that seemed to dominate in their life that affected their thought processes. Now, God stepped in when I was 22 years old and rescued me. I was headed down the same road. I said down the same path. He rescued me, and therefore, I have the advantage now of more than 40 years of the Holy Ghost being present, 
the word of God being the filter in my mind and in my life that I can quickly recognize error when somebody's leading somebody down a wrong road. No, 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 no. That sounds good, but I wouldn't listen to that. I'd close your ears to that. I'd turn that off. I'd get away from that. So as a, as a Holy Ghost filled believer, am, am I void of that? Or is it, auto, my point is, is it automatic? Is it automatic that I don't have to care or worry or be concerned about what I read, what I hear, what I view? It has bearing on my mind. Now, the Bible speaks of those that they brought to Jesus. The halt, the blind, the lame. And they, they also referenced the lunatic. Now, a lunatic, the word actually means crazy. A crazy person or a lunatic person can't put the pieces together properly. Somewhere, again, no baseline, no, no filter, no guide. The thought runs rampant, and wherever it goes, because they thought it, they think it's right. They think it's accurate when it's not. Second Timothy chapter one at verse one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy and peace from God, the father, Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers and pure conscience that without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in, my, in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance... That thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When I look up the word sound mind here in the... Uh, Hebrew, it says self-control and discipline. I had to think for a minute. <laughs> Why'd they use that word? The spirit of a sound mind. God's given to us a spirit of a sound mind. Spirit of truth, spirit of ration, rationality. Spirit of discipline, 
spirit of self-control. Self-control enables me to keep what I say in check. Speak when I should speak, not speak when I shouldn't speak. Disciplined. God's given me the spirit of discipline in my communication. Let's go to the book of Philippians chapter 4 at verse 1. We are living in the generation that is oversensitized by media of all kinds. We're oversensitized. You can't even find a quiet place. Go into an elevator, there's music. Stop and get gas in your car, the news turns on, on the, on the gas pump. You can't get away from it. There is a constant streaming and a flow of media, information, whether misinformation or right information. We don't know. It's just a constant barrage upon our mind. Never mind the stuff that we welcome. Is it right to say, you know, that stuff has no bearing on me? Pay attention the next time you walk into a grocery store. What kind of music is playing? Then walk into a restaurant. You know, a fast food restaurant. That means get in, eat it, and get out. Right? Pay attention to the audio that's play- it's playing everywhere you go. And there's an end run. There's purpose. There's cause. Cause and effect here. On what they're wanting to steer you to or away from. This is the generation that we're living in. And these things have bearing on our faculties. Scripture talks about regeneration and the renewing of our minds. The renewing, you know, be ye transformed. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the gas pump uh, talk to you in the daytime and tell you what you should buy before you get to the house. Click here. (laughs) I mean, you realize what we've come to? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. If what has been the dominating influence in my mind has made me to become mentally what I am today, and if it's all good, well, good for you. Or if you spend time in the word of God only to realize, wait a minute, that, that's, that, that can't be right. Is he really saying that? 
Is this really how God feels? Verse 4, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Udeus, and beseech <laughs> Syntec, I don't know. And they, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I treat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other of my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord. This is a long salutation. Rejoice in the Lord always, I say again. Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just. Uh, isn't it funny to hear about somebody getting ripped off? If it's told right, yeah. But I'm supposed to think. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, and I don't know where it went to. I used to work on a line at an old Cannon Corporation, and the things the guys would say on the line, would, I would do my best to, you know, But every once in a while, he'd get me. I'd catch myself. Lunch break. (laughs) Things that are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of a Well, those aren't the best ones. If everybody tuned into good reports, that's what would be in the media. But the problem is the natural mind (laughs) doesn't pursue the things of God. Things that are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Let these thoughts be what I muse over through the day. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do in the God of peace shall be with you. Second Corinthians chapter 10. We have to be careful about the conflicts and the paradoxes that exist in our minds as believers.
what that means is the word of God represents truth and the spirit of truth, which we seek after, which he has empowered us with through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And matching those things that are, again, you have to work. You have to work at shielding probably more what comes into your ears than anything because it's so taken for granted. I'm in the room. They're choosing the music. It's, you know, and, and I'm not just saying music. The conversations, uh, dialogue, um, You know, the Internet is selective. you got to click on it. Well, every once in a while, you know, those things just start playing. Where's the button? Where's the button? I can't even see where it's at. Boy, don't you love that one? <coughs> don't do that to me. This is my deal. I'm in charge. I want to select. Okay. Anybody can produce anything and say anything. Don't you love the ones that have made themselves look like the CNN channel? And it's some guy on his back porch, you know, in Hoboken, New Jersey. And he has now become the expert. About thus, thus, and thus. And sometimes you really got to look close and realize that's the dude's cat next to him on the. You know, they got the coffee mugs, the jacket with the emblem, sign behind them. Do you realize how our world is now filled with all this? People communicating. Uh, I'm going to take this a little further. I have enjoyed from time to time viewing and listening to what's called a what's those things I used to send to you all the time, Loren? TED Talk. A TED Talk. Various experts in various fields, blah, 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 blah. Some of them are not worth and not, you don't want to hear them. Listen. They, yeah. Anyway, there was a lady that came on one time and began to communicate what her job used to be. And what she talked about was this. There are industries, okay, that look out so far that they, they hire people to begin to write material, write curriculum, do blogs, all in the direction to move things to down the road, video presentations, educational pieces. It's planned specific to lead the populace in a direction to accept something that you can decide whether it's true or not. 
that has the, the end run is to get you, obviously, to hook, line, and sinker. Buy it all. And it's just not the pharmaceutical industry. One would think so. All I'm saying is, is there's entire industries. There's, there was a name for it. I wish I could remember it. But she had been a part of it, and she had left her field, and now she was ratting on everybody. Saying, you people need to pay attention, and you need to know they build entire industries around this, and it will, they'll take 10 years in preparation, getting things moving in such a direction that who could question it? There's so many doing it. I'm just saying, this is the generation we're living in. These are the things that play on our mind. And when we find ourselves living in a paradox, that means moving in two directions at the same time. Mentally. What do you think that, what do you think the end run is on a person's mind? Hard telling. You tell me why people are approaching me and saying, man, I feel like I'm going crazy. And I'm thinking it's time to make some adjustments. It's time to change things. And I don't mean get a pill. You know, when, the, when they brought the lunatic, you need to hear this. When they brought the unit, lunatic boy, a father brought a lunatic boy to Jesus. And he said, my son is a lunatic. Oftentimes he casts himself into the fire and he, he does this and he does that. It's all ridiculous. It's craziness. And Jesus rebuked the spirit. See, just the way I said to you, the inspiration of God and the anointing of his spirit can bring clarity of mind. An unclean spirit that has gained access, gained influence, can disrupt all thought. Let's pray. It's you that we look to, Father. It's you, the Prince of Peace, tonight that we look to, Father. In the name of Jesus, we appeal to you, Father, for our sanity tonight. For clearness of thought. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Help me to filter my mind, oh God. Let me look to your word as a filter. As a guideline tonight. Let the spirit of a sound mind prevail upon my thought. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The world will tell you it's genetic. Your thought processes are genetic. It's a disposition. It's a... Uh, you fill in the blanks. 
Do you know when the Lord asked men through Moses to build certain pieces of furniture for what was to be the tabernacle? The Bible says that when those men who were craftsmen, they had the natural ability to do the work when they were gathered together. The Bible says that God gave to them the spirit of wisdom to do the work. Wisdom isn't something that just kind of, you know, you get in a good book. There is a wisdom from God that tells me how to apply the knowledge at the right time, at the right place, and whatever else needs to be right. The spirit of wisdom. And so when I, again, my communion with God every day, through the day, my communing, that's me listening and hearing that's me responding and communicating. But in that process, God will give to us by his spirit. You know, when, when, when people say, I, I was asked at one time, you know, do you want the Holy Ghost? Oh, no, you know, I, I Oh, no, 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 it's, you know, it's for you, and the Lord wants it for you, and, you know, oh, no, 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 no. You see, my grandmother attended this little church, and very, very small, and there was a lady there that, you know, she would give a message in tongues. Well, you know, I'd seen it a few times, so I wasn't completely freaked out. But I watched one day when they were passing the offering plate and when it went across in front of her she went like this I thought what is wrong with this picture what's wrong with this picture she's one with the Holy Ghost you know I didn't, I didn't know enough to know anything about anybody else but all I knew was if that's the Holy Ghost keep it I'm not interested And so when people say, you know, no, nah, no, I'm all right. You know, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Lutheran. I'm something. I'm this. I'm that. We don't believe that about having the Holy Ghost. Or here's another one. That was for the day of the apostles. And that's now passed away and they're gone. And so, look, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. And so I'm good. No, you're not. Until you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Which will give to you. Freely. The spirit of a sound mind. The spirit of wisdom. Because you have communion with God. It comes with communion. Do you realize that we can commune with God. As we have communication one with the other. That's what I started talking about in the very beginning you know this is why we say look we need to get together and have some fellowship that's not so we can be friendly it's because there's something of the spirit that begins to play into our fellowshipping 
that brings to us insight, that brings to us clarity, that gives to us an answer. If you're going to let all the distractions of this life keep you from that, you're only doing yourself harm. You just have to know. You have to know. You have to observe it. We need you, Father. Without you, we are empty and undone. We are without direction. We are without purpose. We are without fulfillment, Lord. Jesus, we we go searching, still seeking and waiting, not knowing. It's you that brings surety. It's you that brings surety, Father. And the peace of God that passes all understanding. Paul in 2 Corinthians talked about the weapons of our warfare and uh, not being carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then he goes on to say, casting down imaginations. Again, just because you've imagined it doesn't make it right or true. And I was listening to the radio. And they were advertising a, uh, some kind of a, no, they were interviewing. They were interviewing some people, famous people, of course. And uh, they were sharing about their experience, how they came to know Jesus. And uh, the young lady was speaking, and she made the comment. She was talking about her parents first, and then she said, and, you know, God, he was God, and, you know, he was, he's just all loving and caring. As, you know, like he is, like he should be. Like, are you kidding me? You now are the writer of the definitions of what, you know, where does that come from? And this is what I'm talking about. We, this scripture that Brother Ethan read here tonight gives us a much clearer picture of the truth of who God is. He spoke of his severity. Anger of angers. Trying to move his people in a direction. And then offering. Come on, let's try it again. Here's, here's the direction I want you to go. He's boiling over. He's anger of angers. He's, what was the word? Fury. Fear. Furious. Fury. fury. I can't even do fury. I can't get mad at Just trying to move his people in a direction. Realizing that didn't work. Okay, let's try this again. And then he reiterates. I don't know, stronger, harder, come on. I'm trying to help you. And you're not seeing clearly. Again and again. We need to have a clear picture. We need to have an accurate take.
on the one who stands at the door and knocks. It's not all fluffy, puffy, ooey gooey. He's fierce. He's God. You want to pray? I'd like to open the altar. I'd like to have a musician come. The scripture talks to us about protecting the heart. And I would say tonight, protect your mind. Protect your mind. Submit your mind and your thought processes to God. Ask him to correct inaccuracies. Lead me, Father, in your word to those places that would help me to see clear. To see clear. about the things that matter and about the things that don't matter.
stand and pray together before we leave. Jesus, we thank you, God, for your presence that's been here tonight. We thank you for your word, Lord Jesus, that you've spoken to each one of us. God, we thank you for the spirit of a sound mind. We thank you for the spirit of clarity that you've ministered here tonight. God, I pray, let it be enacted on each one of us. God, I pray, let us take that spirit with us. Jesus, we need it more than we could even speak, Lord. God, I pray your spirit of wisdom prevail over us. Jesus, give us wisdom, Lord. Give us wisdom, O God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, give us your wisdom. Lord, give us your wisdom. Why don't you just pray for the spirit of wisdom right now? Just like Bishop mentioned, the people that had the talent that was combined with the spirit of wisdom. Jesus, I pray, I need your wisdom, oh God. Without you, I can do nothing, Lord Jesus. God, I pray, let your spirit of wisdom be a testimony. Let your spirit of wisdom become a testimony of this body, Lord. Jesus, you could do more through us than we could do on our own. Jesus, we thank you for it. Jesus, we thank you for it. Jesus, in your name. See, what we heard tonight applies to every single person. Who here doesn't need wisdom? Every parent, every child, every individual. We need it. James 1.5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. Let him ask. I'm taking that with me. I'm going to start asking every time I need it. It says, He giveth liberally. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus, you're dismissed. Greet one another.